audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at either 9 or 10.30 a.m. Scripture tells us who the real Jesus is, and we don't have to guess, amen? I mean, that's something that's amen worthy right there, church. That's something, I know we don't get excited like that a whole lot. But maybe we should. Maybe there should be a little more excitement about certain things for us. I believe today is a very exciting thing. I believe what we're... Now, you know, Jamie covered the resurrection. If you wasn't here last week, and I'm sorry, I don't know, I I forgot all about putting the sermon on YouTube last week, and so... But if you weren't here, if you didn't, if you weren't in the middle of that, Jamie, man, he presented the resurrection in a very, very neat way. I, I hope that you, you have been encouraged over the past few weeks, and especially during this season, when it's a, it's, it should be a relatively easy season to, to focus in on, on the, the gospel message, on the cross, and, and what the cross, what was accomplished on the cross, on, on the resurrection, and, and the truth and the fact that that we don't serve and live and kneel to uh, a dead king and a dead savior, but a risen king who's conquered death and showed us that. Showed us that. His historically recorded. And we can take that to the bank and have faith in that. Today as we continue on our journey, I think... For me, I, I thought, where, where do we start with this topic? Like, like, like where do we start with this? Um, so think about how you hear people explain the gospel in short, okay? The short message, the short message. So get in your mind when you've heard, hey, so what's, what's the gospel, you know? And you're, and yeah, and don't, don't make it really complicated right now, but just think. Like, we've heard these different things, and some, something along the lines of this is, is what I feel like I hear most of the time. Jesus came. He lived 33 years. He, he died a gruesome, torturous death on a tree. He took the sin of the world, was separated momentarily from the Father, was laid to rest in a Roman watched over rock tomb. Three days later, resurrected back to both a spiritual and physical form and is returning again someday. Some form of that I hope is what you hear when you hear somebody say, well, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. Now, as I thought through that, and in in preparation for this, uh, one of the things that stuck out to me is I, I think that in this, I don't think, I know, I know now, in this, there's a key event that's missing. There's a key event that's missing, and it's very, very important for you and I. And it should bring joy, and it should bring some contentment, and it should provide hope. Acts 1, 1 through 11 is where we're going to be today. So if you want to turn there, uh, I'll be reading out of the NIV. I know Jamie has, Jamie usually used New American Standard because he's more studious than I Um, the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have have concluded Luke now writing the same same author Dr. Luke that would have 
written the Gospel of Luke is, is now continued on into to Acts. And, you know, there's some that say, well, these are the Acts of the Apostles. There are some that say these are the, the continued Acts of Jesus. I'm okay with both. We're going to look at verse 1 through 11 of my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convicting proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them all over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not believe Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the dates or time, the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, what are you looking at? No, <laughs> Why do you stand there and looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus blessed them and jumped on his hoverboard. And if there was a title for this, maybe he gone? I don't know. This is kind of one of those Marty McFly moments where he, you know, Scripture says he, he moved into the clouds and the clouds just, just took him in. And I, I, I've always thought, like, if I would, you know, if I was standing there, like, like, you know, was it just like they're listening to him talk and his legs are just getting longer and longer and longer? I don't know. It says he floated away. Now, we don't hear a lot about the ascension. We really don't. It doesn't, it doesn't get a lot of air time. It's like it was just there and disappeared, you know. Because it was. He was. Maybe it's because many skeptics like to attack this particular encounter. This is a very uh, attacked encounter of, of Christ. Um, <clears throat> let's be clear, though. This is not one of those peyote young gun moments, okay, where, where you know, this was a hallucination of some sort of Jesus' followers that were there, that, that they made it up. Here's some things that we can, that we can know. Um, some simple evidences. It, it was predicted by Jesus in Luke twenty two sixty nine 69, in a recorded conversation between Jesus and, and Pilate and Herod, where he began to tell them, like, you're not even going to believe what's going to happen even if I told you, you know. And they weren't in a place. They're just like, come on, man, just, just, just knock this off. Like, this, don't, just recant this. Recant calling, saying who you are. And he begins to reveal this ascension moment. Um, all throughout the New Testament, there are various uh, claims that support this. And we're going to look at some of them 
uh, here in just a moment. Um, eyewitness is present. There were multiple eyewitnesses present when this took place. And we see that recorded right here in Luke. So it's not just like they don't know what happened. And it was a story that was made up. <clears throat> what about this? What else could explain the sudden ceasing of resurrection appearances? Like he was, he was gone. He was gone. He, he, was, he was there. He, he spent 40 days with them. Interacting with them. And then he's gone. And there was no more claims of his appearances. The ascension took place. The ascension took place first and foremost so that we could receive the gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And we've seen right in, in this text that Jesus promised a, a, a baptism into and with the Holy Spirit beginning with the disciples and then working its way to us, to the believers. See a little more about that in Acts 2. We know about what Jesus did in the past. We see a, a good picture throughout Scripture of what is going to be taking place in the future. But what about the presence? The present. The ascension points us to the present and what Jesus is doing now. And guys, that's good news for you and I. A couple things that, a uh, couple, couple of points um, that we're going to focus on today. There's three. There's three. Um, first, Jesus' current physical state. So right now, Jesus' current physical state. We might say, well, I don't, I mean, how, how do we know? Well, we can know because Scripture tells us. Scripture tells us, uh, first and foremost, that his current physical state, okay, is both spiritual and is both fleshly. Both. Now, I don't know how that works, but we're promised a new body. It's my understanding that Jesus has now received that new body post-resurrection. His resurrected body. In John 20, 17 Jesus and Mary in the garden, uh, Jesus said, and, and Jamie kind of talked through this a little bit last week, but Mary, uh, she's, she's, she's excited. She's, she doesn't want to lose him, and she's physically holding on to him. And he says, um, stop holding me back. Like, physically stop holding me back. She's got a hold of him. Physically stop holding me back, for it'd be better for you if I left You know, the word says that he would go to prepare a place for us. It'd be better that I left you than remain with you. Uh, Thomas touched him physically. This physical touch that took place. He, he eat. He physically eat. And he also walked through doors so we got both this spiritual and flesh state that he's in this resurrected new body first john 3 2 says dear friends now we are children of god and what will be 
and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There could be some discrepancies about this, but it's my understanding from this experience that we too, as followers of Christ, will ascend someday. The scripture says that it will happen in the twinkling of an eye. The gospel is urgent. Let's not lose track of that. Our eternity, our judgment is urgent. Let's not lose track of that. Let's not lose track of that, church. So Jesus' physical state, right now, both spiritual, or both, both uh, spirit and flesh. Uh, number two, Jesus' current location. So where, where is Jesus at right now? Where is Jesus at now? Like he's not walking on earth like he was, right? So where is he at? Now we, we see these pictures in scripture of, of what he's going to do in the future, but what about now? What about now? Where is he at now? What's his physical location? Well, it's this, it's seated at the right hand of God interceding. Well, how can we know that? Well, we don't have to guess. We don't have to look for a canvas painting somewhere because scripture tells us. Once Jesus ascends into the clouds, he is ushered into the throne room of the Father and seated at the right hand. We see indications of this throughout the New Testament, the first Hebrews uh, 1, 3. Hebrews 1, 3. I don't know if you read the book of Hebrews. This would be a really good man about his priesthood. If you want to get, if you want to study into that and take some of that in, go to the book of Hebrews. Put that on your reading list this week. Check that out. The Son of Man as his as the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustained all things by his powerful word after he had provided purifications for sin, the cross, the death. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. His current location, sitting at the right hand. Hebrews 12, 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If you're just now catching this, the ascension's a big deal. The ascension's a big deal. Colossians 3.1, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He has seated his current location, where is it at? Seated at the right hand of God. Ephesians 1.20-23, he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at, the right hand, at his right hand. In the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and domain, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to the head over everything for the church, which is the body and the fullness of him who fulfills everything in every way. Seated at the right hand, given reign over the galaxies. What is Jesus' current location? The throne room of God, seated at the right hand. I don't know if you know this or not, but this is good, good news for you and I. 
the, the ascension is important for us. It shouldn't be overlooked in our quick explanation of the gospel. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord in glory and to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is currently sitting in the throne room. Physical, like fleshly state, spiritual state, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Who likes good news? Really? Who likes bad news then? Let's go, let's go a different route. Maybe that's where we're at today. Who likes bad news? Okay, now who likes good news? There we go. Who likes some good news? Um, anybody ever committed a crime? Why does nobody want to raise their hands? <laughs> now surely somebody in here. Anybody ever committed a crime? Okay, let's, let me ask a different question. Has anyone ever needed a lawyer? Okay, we'll leave the crime thing alone. Has anyone ever needed a lawyer? A couple of brave people are like, I, there was this one thing, and yes, I needed some, some help like that. Um, Jesus' Jesus's new work assignment is kind of a courtroom type experience, if you will. Um, this is when it gets good, guys. This is when it gets good. Because spiritually speaking, we've all committed a crime. And we all need a lawyer. And I don't know if you've ever spent any time in courtrooms, but I have sat in the back of courtrooms quite a bit. Okay? Quite a bit. And I have watched a number of individuals walk forward by themselves. <clears throat> Sir, is there anybody here uh, to speak on your behalf? No, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna represent myself. Sir, are you sure you want to do that? Uh, yeah. I have not seen it go good after that point. But it's always good to watch from the back of the room. Okay? <laughs> Romans 8:34 Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that who has raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. In Christ, we literally have the best defense attorney that's, that's capable of being had. In Jesus Christ, interceding for you and I today, tomorrow, 
That's his current job. That's his current position. He ascended, not only to provide the Holy Spirit to clothe us and that we are baptized into, and somewhere in that process, I don't know how it works, okay? I don't know how it works. We're not going to understand all those things. But we know something happens when we're emptied out and and we're filled up and baptized and, and his Holy Spirit doesn't just dwell in and amongst us or or doesn't just dwell around us but also in us. It's supernatural. I don't know how that works exactly. But that he is actively interceding for you and I. That's good news, church. He's our high priest, our judge, our intercessor, our defense attorney, Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, who took on the sin of the world on the cross and three days later resurrected for 40 40 days, then ascended to the right hand of the Father in the throne room, actively interceding for anyone who takes a hold accepts his invitation for anyone who takes a hold of his invitation all are invited that's the information that Jesus laid down all are invited no matter where you've been no matter what you've done no matter what you think about yourself, no matter how you see yourself, there's an invitation to you. Accepting that invitation looks like confessing. Let me just be clear. Confessing is not a one-time thing. Confessing is a lifetime thing. Believing. Believing is not a one-time thing. Believing is a lifetime thing. It's living by faith. It's action. It's believing. Repentance. Repentance is not a one-time thing, and if you've been a Christian walking a walk for any amount of years, you know that. Because you know your struggles. And you know the things you've had to take to the Lord over and over again. God, I'm sorry. And Jesus is interceding. He's interceding. He's not embarrassed of you. He's not embarrassed of those things. He's not ashamed of you. He died for that. He wants you. No, he, her, they're with me. They're with me. And that's the only way that we're to stand in the presence of God. There's no other way. It's Jesus and only Jesus. 
Scripture is laser clear about that. And so I want to beg you, don't approach the stand and think that you can represent yourself. Because you can't. You approach the stand humbly and speechless because of what Jesus has done. And he intercedes. It's kind of like this. Straight to the front of the line. He, he's with me. The next time we see Jesus in, in the scripture is later in the book of Acts. It's Acts 7, 54 through 60. It's interesting, the account, and I think we have to talk about it with the ascension. It's kind of a rough story for Stephen, but some way, somehow, he's found joy and excitement in being killed, killed by rocks. Hitting him in the head, he's found some sort of joy and excitement in this. How in the world can that take place? Stephen, the, the first martyr, let, let me just read the text. It says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven. Stephen would not stop preaching. He wouldn't be quiet for the gospel. He's being persecuted by death, okay? Not a little hate mail, not, we're not gonna be your friends anymore, you know, whatever. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing where? At the right hand of God. He's mine. He's mine. I love the fact that he's standing. Sometimes the picture gets painted that he's in a lazy boy now. Oh yeah, the work on the cross was finished. The atonement and the sacrifice took place. But Jesus is not lazy. He's a perfect servant leader. And this picture, this first picture that we see of Jesus after his resurrection appearances is him standing, standing at the right hand. Look, Stephen said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices, and they all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and begin to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of the young man named Saul while they were uh, stoning him. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold these sins against them. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? When he said this, he fell asleep.
as we get ready to uh, move into this time of communion. Uh, we practice an open communion here, and this is what we mean by that. If you're a baptized believer, we want to invite you to uh, participate in this serious time with us. If that's not where you're at today, then, you know, just, just don't participate right now. Unless you're, you know, maybe later in the week or sometime, there's going to be a time for you where it's time to take this moment serious because this is a serious moment. Because right now, one of the things that we're giving thanks for is, is Jesus' death on a cross. One of the things we're giving thanks for is that, that God showed us that he's greater than death and that he conquered death, something that every single one of us have in our crosshairs of our futures. That he give us hope for eternity, okay? And that Jesus is actively interceding for us. Actively interceding. And as we talk to him, and as we commune with him today, golly, church, this is a real thing. This is, this is real business that's taking place. You should also be filled with joy because of this. Because we can't do it on our own. We know we can't do it on our own. We know we're wrong. We know, we know we're guilty. And we don't have to. Because we got Jesus. And that's good news.